Welcome to Uncommon Sense. I'm your host, Jill Gleba, and we're talking to inspirational, common, and imperfect people just trying their best and trying to gain some uncommon sense. While balancing her career and her mother's health care, Andrea uncovers a secret that she wished she knew earlier as she helps her mom navigate through these challenges. The role reversal of a child taking care of a parent does throw a curveball in a relationship. We're in the taking care of others chapter, so we kind of want to expand and have a conversation about that. First of all, thanks for coming. Very nice of you to share. I don't think your issue is going to be unique. No. <laughs> I think that we have a lot of people that have this issue. I myself have taken care of all four of my parents, but three out of the four were in assisted living. So we want to start the story, though. You, you're married. You're an only child. I am. And your mom has had some health issues lately. Tell us about how far away you were, kind of the logistics of what's going on a little bit. And my parents are divorced, so it was my mom and me growing up the entire okay. time. So, That's good to um, know, It's actually. a unique situation. But yeah, my husband and I live about seven miles from my mom, so not too far. Um, but I work about 55 miles away from here. Wow. So it takes me over an hour to get to work and, and back every day. Um, I'm up early. I get to work before rush hour, get home before rush hour, but I'm not here. Um, so when things happen and things need to be done quickly, some of that falls to my husband if he can do it. If not, it has to wait until I can get home or I have to drop everything and, and get back here in time. So when my mom got sick, it was uh, a struggle because um, my job is not one that I can do from home. And was it sudden that she got sick that I... Um, yeah, it was a phone call. I can't get up from my chair. Oh. Um, her sciatic nerve acted up so much that she just couldn't move. Wow. Um, and she had me, we managed to get her in the car and take her to the emergency room and it all kind of spiraled from there. She oh, didn't get out of bed for a while and lost a lot of strength because, you know, that happens very quickly when you're bedridden. Do you mind sharing how old she is? She will be 74. She had just turned 70 when all of this happened. And she had, you know, been living alone, no problems, taking, you know, she drives, doctor's appointments, everything, finances, doing it all for herself. And then she ended up in the hospital and it just kind of spiraled down from there. Wow. She ended up getting released from the hospital, going to a rehab facility to try and get some of her strength back. Then she landed back in the hospital for another issue, then back to rehab yet again. Um, luckily, we had learned the ropes of rehab at the time. Yeah, there are, and I won't go into them, but I do know um, just sharing is when my dad was in the hospital, I talked to the doctor and I said, if there's a way that he can go right to rehab and don't send him home, I don't think he's ready. And she agreed. So I communicated well with the doctor and and we got him in the rehab. Getting them into rehab wasn't the hard part. It was keeping them in rehab. And they want to get out. and They don't want to get out. Medicare wants to kick you out. I gotcha. And you gotcha. can appeal, but... Yeah, after a certain amount of time, they want you out. Yes. How was the communication when I remember I had issues? I'd go to the hospital, and I'd have to chase down a nurse and say, what's happening today? And did you have good communication? I actually spent most of my days at the hospital with my mom during yeah. that whole stretch. I so you were there, and you were listening and writing notes? I was, I was the advocate. She was, you know, alert and awake, but she just wasn't engaged in her own care. 
Right. Um, well, they don't feel well. They need somebody to do that. Yeah. And so that was my role. And, you know, I consider myself well-educated enough to understand what was going on and ask the right questions. And I felt compelled that I had to be there to do that for her. But it meant that I wasn't working. So that's important to share, actually, for our listeners, is is having an advocate and having Absolutely. a central area to write notes if there's several of you taking turns. And it's a lot more work than I think people think. Yeah. It's a lot I mean, we have, my husband and I made spreadsheets of <laughs> things that the physical therapists were telling her she should be doing, or we wrote it on the whiteboard, just because there's so many people in and out of the room, and you, if you can't keep track, even medications kept changing, and you know, you get released from the hospital to a rehab facility, you need to make sure that the medication list is correct. Right. And they're you know going home with the same medications that they came in with, or what new ones, and what has changed, and why, and because getting it sorted out at a rehab facility or an assisted living or at home, you need to know those things. Yeah, and I, the other thing is how, to me, it's hard. I had a hard time. Uh, it's hard to see your parent suddenly not being able to do things. So as a child, you're looking at your mom saying, "Oh man, already." You know what I mean? Because she's young. Uh, you got to admit, she's she's young. She's young. I, I honestly, I'll be completely honest. If I had to say which of my parents would have passed first, I would have said my dad. But Isn't at that, that point in time, yeah. I wasn't sure if my mom was going to pull herself out of this. You know, it's scary. I think it's scary. Yeah. As a, watching your parents go through that, you feel bad for them. They don't feel well. You want to take good care of them. You don't know what you're doing. And here's the other thing. You've got a husband. You have a very high-level career, is all I'll say. And so it's taxing on you because you're going to work, you're coming home, you're taking care of your mom, you're getting interrupted. Yeah. Your whole time is spent taking care of her. I, and I was very fortunate to have an employer that understood, that said, take all the time you need to take care of your family, but not everybody's in that situation. And you're the only one, right? I am the only one. You have no siblings. I have no siblings. Uh, my mom's not very close with her remaining brother for him to help. Just it's me. all on you. See, it's all on you, which uh, I'm going to say psychologically, too, is a lot of pressure. You have a nice husband. <laughs> I have a wonderful husband yes. who has been such a help, you know, through these uh, these times when my mom's been hospitalized and sick. He's, and then he has parents, too? He does. Alive Both of his well. parents okay. are alive and well, and they live about 15 miles from us. Okay. Do you take care of them a little bit, too? A little bit. They're definitely more self-sufficient. But yeah, there's some of that that's starting to become part of our daily routine, our weekly routine, taking care of another set of parents. Please share with everyone, we don't want every detail, but kind of the pattern of she went to the hospital, went to rehab, back and forth, back and forth. And you did share with me earlier that you thought that she was doing really well when she was in the rehab, not rehab, excuse me, assisted living. That Yeah, so really we, did, well. uh, we did hospital rehab, hospital rehab, and then we still weren't at a place where I felt she could go home. And I knew she wanted to, but I didn't feel that even with in-home care, she could do it. She wasn't walking yet when she wow. got released from rehab. If she wasn't walking, I don't know why they wanted to send her home. But she wasn't meeting the standards for Medicare in terms of progress. I get it. She was just not trying hard enough. It wasn't going fast enough because of her age, her you know weight, whatever. I know you're frustrated because you felt like she should have more progress. Oh, absolutely. For whatever reason. We argued day in and day out <laughs> about how much effort she was putting into this. And you, know, you dangle uh. the carrot of, you want to go home. This is what you need to be able to do to go home. Because you live in a house that has three stairs from the garage to the kitchen. 
it's a ranch, so there's not stairs to get to your bedroom or anything like that, but just to get into the house. But you got a shower. You there are three cook. steps. You, you got a shower. You got to do exactly. Jeez, I didn't realize that actually. Yeah, you don't think about you know, and they ask you all these questions in rehab, so you realize it really quick. Like how many stairs to get into the house? You know, what kind of shower? Is it a walk-in shower? Is it a tub shower? You know, do you have to step in? Is there bars? Is there wow. chair? And so not only did we have to contend with retrofitting her house so that when she did manage to come home, those things were in place, bars in the shower, you know, chair in the shower. Lots of work to do on the house. Yep. Lots of money to spend doing that. Yep. So we moved her to an assisted living facility. Um, We chose one specifically because they had an in-house physical therapy room and an in-house department of physical therapy that they had there so that she could get treatment a couple of times a week and hopefully make some progress. And she did. Um, But she was in assisted living for at least six months. And you said she made good progress there. She did. But she kept saying, Andrea, I want to go home. Oh, chomping at the bit to go home. Mm -hmm. They all want to go home. Yeah. But we had to get the house ready for her. And she knew that. And there was stuff that we had to do um, in terms of cleaning stuff out so that you know, walkways were clear for a walker and so on and so forth. Is there a lot to clean out? I'm not being nosy, but uh, my mom had a bit of a hoarder mentality, she so a lot of stuff. Okay. she bought a lot of stuff. Okay, and so there was just stuff in her way. And I said, "You're not going home if it's not safe for you to be there." Like with a walker, pathways have to be clear; they have to be kept clear because I don't want to get a phone call that you tripped and now you can't get up. Going back, that's a common problem. I'm going to say out of my four parents, three were in assisted living, and all three of them fought tooth and nail not to go. And I understand that. But then as the child of the parent, you want them to have the best care. And what worried me, and I don't know about how you felt, but I'm going to help my dad, my mother-in-law, father-in-law with showering and things that I'm not equipped to do. And if they fell down, I'm not sure I would do things properly. Being able to pick them up bathe them, that kind of thing worried me a bit. So in my head, even though they were mad at me and they didn't speak to us for a little bit after we moved them in, I just want to share with everybody, this is a common problem. None of the parents wanted to go into assisted living, but I felt like it was the right thing to do because they got proper care and had experts helping. And I have a lot of siblings. So we we're very lucky that we were all visiting yeah. every day. My mom didn't fight me when we put her in assisted living. It was more she went willingly on the promise that she would get to go home if she got to a certain point. And it was motivation, the motivation she needed to get well. You know, that worked. And, and she did eventually make it back home before. So this all started in January of 2019. By December of 2019, she was back home. That's the other thing. Did you feel like she should come back home at that point? No. I thought she was, you know, she had a social life. She cared about the people. Like when I would call to check in, she'd tell me all the gossip about this person and that person. Yes. And But to get her to see that, she just didn't. She just wanted to be home. Yep. That's, That's her comfort home. zone. Yep. Yeah. I know a lot of families, uh, mine included, there's a lot of stress and arguments of the care. Uh, you don't have siblings, so the negative is, it's all on you. You're making all the decisions. Um, I'm going to tell you the positive is, you don't have anyone to argue with about the care, but I probably shouldn't say it that way. On the flip-flip side, you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. It was me and my husband making all of these decisions. There was no like 
you know, let's what get together you, and, yeah. and decide. It was me or nothing. And I have a wonderful husband, like you said, that was able to help with that. And he was instrumental in actually finding the assisted living facility that my mom ended up in. Um, and it was right by his work. So that's a lot of homework, too, by the way, um, interviewing all of the care workers and such. And I'm going to share that a lot of times there's siblings and family uh, out of state. And when you're taking care of a parent, it's hard when you're on your own and trying to fill all your siblings in. You mentioned that your husband is someone out of state. And if the parents need more and more care, I'm just going to share a tip. And we share this in the book a little bit that if you are out of state and you come back, maybe you could offer to come back for a long weekend and give that person a break. And try not to be too judgmental and just ask questions and ask how you could help. Um, I would say don't try to take over because there should be a point person that makes the decisions. So even if you had siblings, you still need a point person to make decisions and hand out all the activities and things that need to be done. But the point about having someone to be able to relieve you and, and not having that, we, my husband and I had a vacation planned uh, last October, and my mom landed back in the hospital with, um, she was septic from a kidney stone. And that situation and the timing of how it happened, um, we actually had to cancel our entire vacation because the timing of she did hospital and then rehab again, the timing of when I knew, because I knew how Medicare worked, that she would get kicked out of rehab fell right in the middle of my vacation. And there's no one here to you know deal with discharge paperwork or any of that. So we had to cancel our entire vacation and we were lucky enough to get everything refunded. We didn't lose any money and we haven't managed to find the time to rebook that vacation. That was my 40th birthday present. That's even worse, yeah. And that leads actually to what we're talking about is that I have several friends that are taking care of their parents. Some are retired, some are still working. I know I had a lot on my plate when I was taking care of my dad, and looking back, I didn't have the right answer. On the other hand, I'm really proud that I did a lot, and I took very good care of him. I did everything I could, but I'm a little regretful that I ignored my family. I have two kids and a husband, and I felt like I ignored them for the whole year, and I was crabby and tired and at my wit's end, and I wasn't my best self, honestly. So where do you draw the line? And I think that's the big issue, too. Just something for people to talk about with each other is there's many of us that take care of parents and how much do you split your time between taking care of your own family and your parents? They're giving up a lot and I don't have the answer. I know there's people out there that can help you, whether your parents are in a home or they are in assisted living. Um, it's 24-7 sometimes and that takes a load off for someone to help you out, a professional and money's an issue. It's worth mentioning right now, if people don't have money, there are lawyers and it's called an elder care lawyer. And you should go talk to the elder care lawyer and talk about how to get some help. So if your parent needs help and you want them properly cared for, uh, say in assisted living, um, you can ask for advice from the elder care attorney of how to position the money and if you have any money to get help. It's worth noting if your parent was a veteran, there's help there also. So you didn't mind sharing earlier. You said your mom had enough money for care. It's her money. It's her call. You can wave back and forth in the background if you want. 
And I don't know if she's going to listen to you. So that could be a problem. She has the money, but it also hamstrings getting her to make a decision. It's her money. And she is 100% mentally capable of making those decisions. She's, you know, fully here, fully with it. And I don't have a stepping stone to like a foothold to force her to do anything. Now, that being said, she does have in-home care that she pays for. That's part of our agreement when she came home from assisted living the first time. No, it's twice a week. Uh, My mom mainly needs help with the fact that even though it's a ranch home, the laundry is in the basement. My mom doesn't do stairs. Not very many. So laundry is not happening for her. So she does have someone come in twice a week to, you know, vacuum, dust, um, some meal prep, and then help with showers because she has a tub shower. So she has to step over and in and she needs help with that. What about the other five days a week and during the day? You know, she's alone. I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm just asking. I go once a week. I'm there every Friday afternoon um, to do chores around the house, um, whatever needs to be done. I check in once a week in addition to phone calls. And And so you have an extra part-time job now. I do. When caregivers call off and things need to be done, and you had mentioned, you know, um, children aren't always comfortable giving their parents a shower. Been there, done that. That's hard. I think that's hard. It's hard, but, you know, you get used to it being in the hospital when they're not getting on bed and they're wearing a brief. And Do you know how to keep her from falling, that kind of thing? I know some. You know, I picked up some watching the therapists, and I can't, you know, if she falls, I'm not getting her up by myself. She's um, a little bit overweight. I can't do it. She's called 911 several times because she's fallen in the house, and the paramedics say that 90% of their calls are helping people get up off the ground. And I can't tell you how many people I know that have parents that live at home alone and they visit a lot or the parents move in with them. And that solves some of the problem. I even have a client that he was nice enough to share with me that a woman lived right across the street from his mom and she comes over and actually bathes her and um, assists in helping her. And that's very fortunate. I mean, um, to have a neighbor volunteer to do that is absolutely wonderful. And I um, I don't know if everybody can get that. I'm on my own and she's on her own, you know, most of the time. I mean, the caregiver's there 12 hours a week, maybe. Now, I was a neighbor to some good friends of my parents. And I know when the family was in a pinch, my husband and I would go over there and feed him breakfast. And even... Um, when they didn't ask us, we would regularly go over there and visit once a week and just check up on them. And I think that the family appreciates if you have a neighbor that steps up. Being on your own is hard, and I'm not insinuating you're at this point, but that's one question is how much do you give up before you start feeling a little resentful? I'm going to say as a parent, after what I've gone through with three parents, if one of us died suddenly, um, I wouldn't want my kids to give up a good portion of their life to take care of me. I've told them that I want them to get some assistance, um, but we're lucky that we saved the money to do that. And I think that's half the issue is we all feel obligated. It's our parents. We want to take good care of them. And you said it was just the two of you growing up together. That's a big part of it for me. It is, and you're going to take good care of her. And I don't think that's an unusual thought. I think everybody thinks that way. I want to take good care of my dad, but not at the detriment of my family. And I'm lucky I don't have kids to juggle 
you know, when a parent gets sick, it's, you know, I have to juggle my job and my husband, but there's no kids and taking them to dance and neglecting a family. I mean, my husband is my family, but I couldn't imagine when I was in that situation, thinking about my friends that have kids, if the roles had been reversed and they had been in my shoes, like I would be there helping take care of their kids just because, you know, I knew, but I didn't have to worry about that. And that was a blessing in some ways, like be nice to have kids to take care of me when I get older. (laughs) Um, And I don't have that, but um, I also don't, I'm also not going to be a burden to anyone. Since this podcast shares stories to support your financial health, I thought your physical health may be important to you too. If there was one thing you could start doing right now that would change your overall health for the better, would you do it? If you could lower or eliminate some medications, would it be worth it to you to try something new? With so much information overload, it's overwhelming to know the right way to take care of your health and prevent future problems. Eating better and exercising consistently can be tough, but it doesn't have to be when you've got the right person in your corner. Rachel McClellan of Personal Health Management can help you. With over 10 years experience as a registered dietitian and a certified personal trainer, Rachel brings it. She works with all ages, fitness levels, health statuses and abilities, and even works with your medical team. You will get all of the encouragement and support you need, so email Rachel at phmchangeyourlife at gmail.com. Go ahead, make that appointment with Rachel, phmchangeyourlife at gmail.com. Friends and neighbors can help out a lot with their friends. In fact, um, my sister has a good friend that has Alzheimer's, and her group of friends all take turns um, stepping up, visiting her, and helping her out. So that's true. It doesn't have to be family. So let's talk about the money aspect of it too. Your mom has the money. She's choosing not to get more care, which is a burden on you. You'll hit a limit eventually, and you'll sit down with her. And We don't know when that will be, but eventually you might say, hey, listen, I can't keep doing this, and you'll come to that time. But one thing you brought up and it's a big issue, is a lot of adult children have no idea what kind of money their parents have, what their financial situation is. And when the kids ask, the parents get a little cranky about it, like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Well, I can't stress enough that that's not a good enough answer. And I was lucky probably because I'm a financial planner. So my dad and my sisters did the budgeting where she worked And she was very open to paying my dad's bills, and I was making the decisions and handling his investments. He was in a very convenient place where it would be near my brother, my sister, and my other sister, so he had regular visitors. I look back and I wonder, should I have put him in a nicer place? But I didn't want him to run out of money, and I didn't know how long this was going to go on, so I wanted him to have enough money for his care So I can't say I made a bad decision, but there's a lot of people that don't have the money. So you have that going for you and you can't make that decision for your mom. She's making that for herself and you can only talk to her about it. With assisted living, they start asking you questions about the money and that's how you learned about what your mom did or didn't have. Actually, I knew my mom had before she got sick, you know, decided that it was smart to put my name on all of her accounts so that I could access if something happened to her. So that wasn't the problem. The thing for me was when she got sick and we had to start paying the bills, 
not realizing how much was there in terms of the bills. Credit cards that weren't being paid off in full every month and we were just paying the minimum. And, you know, the house that was almost paid off, but we were still just making the normal monthly payments. But you didn't have a general list of these are all the assets I have and the debts and my regular bills per month. No, I knew my name was on all the accounts and I knew there was enough money there. Um, but I didn't have actual numbers or anything like that. But it was the credit card debt and the, you know, the house payments that I was like, you're so close. And I know you have the money. I can like, I can see it. And so when she got sick and we took over, my husband and I paid off the house and she could pay us back. That wasn't the issue. It was just, how did you let it get this bad? You have the money. Why were you just making the minimums? She really had no explanation or reason. Maybe she didn't know better. Could be. She was a smart woman. You said she was a teacher. Yeah, you know, but, you know, she had 12 credit cards. All of them had some amount of money on them, some of them larger than others. So that's a big one, I have to mention. That's a big one because someone will say, I'm only paying $50 a month on 10 credit cards. Well, that's $500 a month. And that's a big portion of many people's income. And I encourage people, honestly, to have two credit cards, one that you regularly use and a backup because things can get out of hand. And a lot of credit cards give you um, money back on your purchases. I actually purchase um, Christmas gifts and such with um, my rewards at the end of the year. Yeah. And we were lucky enough to be in the position to help Even though I had access to my mom's money, I didn't use her money to do it because I didn't know where her checkbooks were. You know, is the balance up to date? And I, it was easier at the time for my husband and I just to put things on our credit card, get our 2% cash back, um, or to write checks out of our account because we knew she was good for the money. Yeah, but I see an issue that she didn't know where everything was. I have adult kids. I sit down with them. Usually it's every time before we go on vacation do you know where the key is to the safe? Um, do you know all our passwords? Do you remember how to get into the computer? Do you know where our wills and trusts are, et cetera? This is where um, everything is. We literally walk them through the house and say, here's where everything is. Um, we put ourselves on automatic payments on all of our monthly bills, and that makes life easier for the uh, children, I'm going to say adult children that come in and help their parents if they could get their parents an all automatic bill paying, I think that makes for less work in the future. But we tell our kids both about the big picture. I'm going to add a funny story, though. I started talking to my son, who's the second born. And he's like, I thought that was my sister's job. And I said, it's not just her job. You need to step up and help. It's not her job to do everything just because she's the oldest. So that's the other thing is parents should be talking to their adult children about where all their things are, their wishes, and take the, some pressure off the kids and leave out that guesswork. Um, you were scrambling a little bit, weren't you? Yeah, and I've got kind of two sides of the coin. With my mom, you know, we got into the into her finances when everything went south and she was in the hospital, and that prompted us to get her to write a will and testament and get it properly done so that things didn't go to probate and there were people named that were backs up to me, because obviously I'm the sole heir. Yes. But what happens if something happens to me? 
you need to clarify what's going to happen to her money. If I happen, I have my social security number. I I can give it to you, (laughs) you know, and and not even just the finances, but who's going to make the financial decisions and deal with your money. If you're incapacitated, who's going to make medical decisions if I'm incapacitated and can't make them for you. And did you hire a professional or a friend? We went through a friend who worked for a professional and used that person. Yeah, because you could use a CPA firm or a bookkeeping service. Um, They'll do that for you. Yeah, we hired an elder care lawyer to um, help with the will and testament. And, you know, that meant changing beneficiaries on accounts to the trust of instead of my name, which, you know, it was in and stuff like that, that you don't think about unless tell them someone tells you. So everybody listening to this, I don't care what age you are, look at all your assets and make sure that if you passed away, your assets point to somebody, whether it's your bank account, your investments, everything should point to somebody that when you pass away, you have a beneficiary, uh, you have a TOD on a bank account, that type of thing. Your house has a quick claim deed. You know, go see a lawyer and get an estate plan done and have everything in good order. Yep. We added a ladybird deed to my, yeah. for my mom's house yeah. so that, you know, it would come to me. And we're not giving advice of what kind or anything, just the idea that you want to have everything situated. So now you finally find out about all your bills. You get her all settled. Are things going well now? Yes. Okay. For the most part, things are going well. Uh, you know, I don't check up on her finances, even though I have the ability to. I, we have a trust, and I'm hoping she's maintaining that trust, telling me she's paying off her one credit card that she still uses every month and stuff like that. And I know that she's living within her means because I know how much she was bringing in. You're keeping an eye. I'm keeping an eye out from the background. You know, I think we went through enough together through that whole situation, and she saw what it did to me that I think she's trying She felt bad, maybe. A little bit. Not bad enough to stay in assisted living. I know. Let's make your life a little easier. But, you know, she did, you know, agree to have care at home because she knows she can't shower safely alone. She can't do her own laundry. So, like, that's a given. And there wasn't much argument there. Now, finding that and keeping that through the pandemic has been a challenge, but that's a whole nother. Yeah, finding care and stuff. And again, we've talked about this. If you've hit your limit and you can't do it anymore, it's time to get some help. Somehow, some way, whether you go to a lawyer and ask for assistance from Medicaid or whether you have the means, um, how far can you carry it or how long will that money last? And I think everybody has their limits. I think a lot of people listening, we want to take good care of our parents. We feel like we should, but how far do you carry it? That's the hard part. My parents did a lot for me. And of course, I want to return that favor to them. Yeah. And it's important to know how far their money will take them. Absolutely. And I'm going to encourage people to see a financial planner because it's funny. We get this all the time. People say now our parents have pensions and social security, but we don't have those anymore. There's there's really no pensions. That's not very common. So those of you that think a million dollars is a lot of money, I'm going to say in general, a million dollars at a withdrawal rate of about 3.6% is off a million dollars is 36 grand a year or three grand a month. So a million dollars will provide three grand a month for a long period of time. It's not as much as everybody thinks it is. You've got a half million, that's 1500 a month. You've got a quarter million, that's $750 a month. That will be income provided from that lump sum. I mean, that's a drop in the bucket. So the other thing you look is, okay, 
my mom needs more care than the seven fifty a month, and we don't have any other money. Now that you said that, this is just an example. Sure, you might have a couple hundred grand, and now you're drawing out three thousand a month, and you got to look at okay, how long is this going to last? And some people are well. I hope it lasts long enough. They don't really have a choice. So I'm going to encourage people that you see an elder care attorney and you find different methods and ideas to help you hang on to some of that money just to make sure they have the right care. So go to a professional, even if the professional costs you money. In my experience, the elder care attorney can look at your assets and assist you if there's other ways um, to get help for your parents. So besides when their money runs out, maybe that's time to go on the Medicaid. So you're still taking care of your mom. You still have a little bit better handle on her finances, right? I do. I, I wish we would have, you know, been more transparent about it together sooner. But we got to a point where I know where everything is and, and how to access it and, and so on and so forth. And and you have a good message here. That's the whole reason that you were generous enough to sit down with me today not to complain about the pitfalls and how hard it is to take care of someone, um, which I think it is nice to share that because many of us are in your situation. But I think you're happy to do it and you want to do this for your mom. Absolutely. She made me the person that I am and it was a large influence and then, and I want to return the favor. Yeah, we don't want to be negative. We want to acknowledge it's hard work. But the main thing you said to me, which I thought was a good message, is I think some people have no idea what their parents' finances are. And I'm going to encourage all of you to take a leap here. You need to be a little pushy. You need to say, listen, do you have a will and trust? Where is it? Where do you keep it? You know, my mother-in-law went in the hospital suddenly, and we are searching all over that house looking for it. And we had to find the power of attorney. We had to find out what her last wishes were. And we had no idea where to look. It was it was just a hot mess. So that was a frantic situation, and I would like others to avoid that. Yeah, and that's the flip side of the coin. So my husband, whose parents are both still alive, live you know 15 miles down the road. We don't really have a good picture of what their finances are. We've been told that you know one of the two has insurance to cover an assisted living facility because he was healthy enough at the time that they offered find it. Find it. You have to find it. There is apparently a folder in the bottom of the filing cabinet. That's labeled like death or something along those lines. I don't know. That's all we know. All of this that we've gone through with my mom has certainly brought that to the forefront. And my husband hasn't quite been pushy enough about it to, to actually, hard. you know, know what the will and testament says. Who is the power of attorney? Who is, you know, do they have separate wills and testaments? Is it written together? Like any of it. And so it's hard to force someone to have that kind of pushy conversation. And I'm certainly not in a place, it's my in-laws, to have that. And now my husband's mother's health has kind of taken a, a slight turn. And he's over there once a week checking up on her, filling pill containers and, you know, and we still have no idea what the plan is, what the financial situation is, like how long if she has to go to a memory care facility or an assisted living, how long can they afford it? If no, no idea. idea, none. Yeah. And so it's never too late to have that conversation, either you asking your parents or as parents having it with your kids. It's true. And I would say some people buy long-term care. Some people have HSA accounts that you could pull out of those. 
um, for assisted, you know, for assistance. Um, some people have life insurance and, you know, those of you that when you retire, don't cancel your life insurance because that will come in handy. And there's a lot of policies that will let you pull money out for long-term care. Um, so that's another resource for you. And I just thought I'd throw in, there's a lot of places to go to, to figure out medical care, legal care, and um, just the financial planning part of it. So there's lawyers, there's um, Medicaid experts, um, lawyers that are Medicaid experts, and there's also uh, medical companies that will find you medical care, whether it's in the home or outside of the home, that can help you find uh, proper medical care. And of course, the financial planners will help you figure out if you have enough money and how to how to navigate that. But I want to encourage all of you listening to talk to your parents, be a little nosy. Great time to ask things is when you're all together for the holidays. So all your siblings are there listening. If you have siblings, Mother's Day, Father's Day, it's a great time to say, hey, we love you and we want to make sure that you're going to get proper care. And would you mind sharing where everything is? And some of them will be a little hesitant to show you the documents, but at least if you know where they are, that's a start. And I would say that the one thing I, I will ding myself is that uh, all of this that we've gone through with my mom and with my husband's parents, my husband and I still have not written our will and testaments. He has one that was written for himself when he was still single. I have nothing. It's been on the list of things to do. And have we done it? No, we have not. My professional advice is to go see an attorney. And I'm going to tell you, Andrea, I appreciate that you shared your story today um, because it's very personal. It's vulnerable. It's not easy to be out there sharing to the public your personal story. Everybody has their own journey, so we're not being judgmental. We just want to make sure we're all sharing and helping each other and taking care of each other. So thanks for being here. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to Uncommon Sense. I'm Jill Gleba. For more stories and all the financial knowledge you wish somebody had taught you, you can find my book, Uncommon Sense, at jillgleba.com. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.